Hi, everybody. I How was your leap year? Because it's March 1st. Mm. And either last night or tonight, we we saw Dune Part 2. Did we? Uh-huh. What'd you think? Favorite movie of the year. It'll only get beat by Furiosa later this year. Okay. That's the only movie that's got even a, a whisper of a, of a shot of a chance. Hey. What's up? What do you want to talk about today? Mm, lethal Weapon 2. Lethal Weapon 2. March 1st. And we say it's time to talk about Lethal Weapon 2. Okay, folks, it's the Macaw Podcast Universe. Enough with the chit chat. Let's cut the S. I'm Jordan. That's Micah. We're married. We exist to prove people wrong when they say sequels, sequels are, are never, never better, better than, than the originals. originals. And here we are. We're talking about a Macaw classic movie, which is, of course, Lethal Weapon 2. So hit me with it. What's your, what's your, uh, Technically, the second time I've seen it, did not remember just about anything, uh -huh. so it felt like watching it for the first time. Exponentially, leaps and bounds, better <laughs> than the first one, not even a contest. Okay. This one, I genuinely liked. That's great. Yeah. Uh, well, this has always been a classic for us. We would watch this one all the time. And... Uh, Yes, I I have a very funny story to tell later. At least I think it's very funny. So there's your little tease to listen to the whole episode. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, why don't you share it now? What are we waiting for? Let's let's tease it out, Jordan. Let's wait till we get to the scene because it's specific to a scene. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, that was a a common refrain amongst my sister and I. Really, throughout high school was okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is about as annoying as it gets when it's not Joe yeah, Pesci yeah. doing it. Oh, yeah. Um, I did see someone I follow on Letterboxd mention him being the most annoying movie character in history. And I'm like, what? Nah, nah. I'm, I'm here for the Pesh. I so my, I, my, I, my big takeaway was, should we put Joe Pesci in every franchise? I saw and that especially on your Letterboxd. any franchise that's getting stale. Do you just throw some Pesh? You to, sprink, sprinkle some Pesh in there? Yeah. I I think that might be a solution. Um, I'm very curious because I don't remember the plots of the third or fourth movie. Uh -huh. I'm like, how do they bring him back? Because he's like witness protection, but he's in the rest of the movies. I mean, he's he's a money guy though, so maybe they they consult him. I just feel like it's going to be stuff. real sweaty each time oh, that he yeah. gets back. It's like he's back for some reason. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so this has always been a favorite at our house. We'd watch it all the time. I think I've said that maybe eight times in this episode I already. I think you need to stop saying it. Maybe I should just talk about how this movie's made. Yeah. Okay. Donner. Richard Donner. He makes Lethal Weapon 1. Then he makes Scrooged. Have you ever seen that? No. Will we ever watch it? I, I, maybe. Probably. I feel like I, I can't figure out if people like that movie or Me not. Me neither. Because it seems like... People who didn't watch it when they were a kid are like, that movie's terrible. And yeah. then people who did are like, it's one of my favorites. I watch it every year. It seems you know? like a weird movie. Yeah. That's the impression I get. Yeah. Um, I I wonder if it's one of those movies that like is too dramatic for most of the movie. Oh, you yeah. Know, when it should just be bits. Yeah. Or maybe it's only bits. I don't know. If it's only bits, I can handle it. Uh, bit by bit. Yes. And then he makes this movie. Um, so then on the screenplay, we have Jeffrey Boehm. Now, we did talk about him last week because he's the guy who did the uncredited rewrites on the first movie mm -hmm. to pu punch it up and make it funnier. Mm -hmm. um, and he also uh, wrote The Dead Zone. Uh, he worked with others and made The Lost Boys. And he did 
uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Wow. What a career. Yeah. Cool. Um, the story is by Shane Black and Warren Murphy. And Warren Murphy also uh, is more famous for being an author. And For what? Uh, it was the series. Uh, I was hoping you weren't going to ask. I'll look it up. Well, it's just, it's just, uh, yeah. Uh, and he also wrote Iger Sanction, a classic for my dad that he always talks about. And he goes, have you seen Iger Sanction? And I go, no, I Never haven't seen heard it. of that. And then he's always like, ooh, you got to watch Iger Sanction. The Destroyer series or something? Yeah. Hmm. Never heard of it. Cool covers. So pulpy. Is, is his name on the cover? Warren Murphy? Yeah, and someone else. Okay. Richard Sapir. Okay. Okay, great. Th- there was like a little confusion when I was looking at it, so I, that's why I just didn't want to even mention it, but you had to bring it up. Uh, the cinematography is again by Stephen Goldblatt. And here's something I found interesting. Do you remember how last week uh, the composers were Eric Clapton and Michael Kamen? So they're the composers for this movie, but the guy who played the saxophone also gets a composer credit on this movie. Dave, uh, David the, the S- score was Sanborn. way less. It was a little bit more. I mean, it was still a lot. Yeah, but it was way. It was a little it, it was tamer. toned down. Yeah. Yeah. There was less Clapton. It was good. It was better. It was better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I do think that's interesting that he played saxophone in the first one. Doesn't get a credit. Yeah. Gets go, a credit. Go you for getting that cred. Get, go David Sanborn. Uh, the movie I comes it's out. Sunburn. No, that's what it autocorrects <laughs> to. Uh, the movie comes out July seventh, nineteen eighty nine. A thirty million dollar budget. Um, and I was able to find that out from an article from around that time that was talking about how big movies are getting like really big budgets. And it was, it was citing movies like this and Die Hard 2 that had an astronomical $40 million budget. Guys, I got (laughs) some news for you. (laughs) I was like, whoa, okay. That's, that's a different outlook. Money just meaningless. It really is. Truly. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's a great time, since money is meaningless, head over to patreon.com slash sign up, and uh, give us some of that meaningless money, and get extra bonus episodes. This month it was Tron Legacy, next Wednesday we're coming out with train spotting. Please? All right. Um, the movie at the box office makes 147, and worldwide it makes 227. Smash Hit! So here's what happened. Here is what happened. Shane, Shane Black, Black wrote the script and it was much edgier. It wasn't funny. It was dark. It was bloody. Uh, Mel Gibson dies at the end. You, oh, so you read all of this. Yeah. And then the, they got the script and they were like, no, 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 no. Can we not make this movie? Uh-huh. Big fight. Well, I mean, I don't know if it was a big fight, but they reject his script. Yeah. Richard and, Donner and the producers. Yeah. Donner wants to focus more. He wants some improvisation and funny stuff in the movie. And that's what I want. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. Um, so they reject it, and then I saw, like, they do still use some kind of elements from his script and stuff, but it almost just feels like they didn't at all. Like, it's just all new at yeah, the same I, time. Yeah, I know, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, apparently, you're, you know, people still want to see the script. People still want this movie to get made. Yeah. Um, but it'll probably never happen. Yeah. I've also heard that he, and I'll talk about it later, I heard that he wrote a Lethal Weapon 5 about them being older and stuff, but I don't think they plan mm-hmm. to do anything with that. Um, I mean, of course, we all know they've already made 5, 6, and 7. Yeah, I mean, he's behind, but... Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's too bloody, it's too dark, dies at the end. And and one thing he said that, that I do think, 
if you're taking a little more dramatic approach, this does make a lot of sense. Is he's like in the first movie, Riggs is suicidal, and he learns to like lo- love life, mm-hmm. and that at the end of this one, he was going to sacrifice his life for the Murtaughs and mm-hmm. save the family. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of like poetic, like yeah. his character coming to an end. Um, so I think like on a writer level, it's it's maybe a little more elevated in yeah. that term, but. You know, I don't mind that they go the comedic route because I do find this movie funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did specifically cite he doesn't sound bitter because I was looking at some oh, stuff okay. from like That's good. from recent. Yeah. Um, recent being like 15 years ago. Um, oh, okay. Well, you know what I mean. It's like yeah. way well past this movie. But he did say like there's a scene in the movie where a surfboard you know like cuts off a guy's head and he says wipe out and he's like that's not a good joke. That's not something I would write. That's no. I, I don't know. Shane, I was <laughs> laughing pretty hard. I don't think I heard that he said wipeout. Did we notice that? No. Who yeah, says Mel that? Yeah, Mel Gibson said, oh, They say so many it's things. A There's not a moment like of silence in these movies, and I'm sure the next two are the same. Even if someone's, you can't like see them talking on screen, yeah. they're talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're, it's just constantly filled with words, and you, you catch what you can. Yeah. You catch me if you can. Mm. Um. So anyway... That that's kind of how that went down, um, and so they they talk to um, I'm forgetting his first name Jeffrey Boehm, and they he writes a hard boiled version, and then a comedic version, and the studio's like this is great can you combine these, mm-hmm. which of course leads him to just keep continue rewriting it mm-hmm. and not really like it's not like he was just like okay cool let me put them together it's like he just had to write another draft mm-hmm. and another draft and another draft and then eventually uh, they're on set. And Donner's encouraging enough improvisation that he's it's having changing things. Yeah, he's having to write on set. Yeah, um, which you can feel that in the movie, the the improvisational nature of this mm-hmm. movie. Um, and uh, yeah, of course we'll we'll get into the specifics as we go. There's also this guy Robert Kamen uh, who did some uncredited uh, rewrite. I wonder if he's related to Michael Kamen who is in the score. And, he, and we're going to talk about him next week because he's going to uncredit on this and then get a credit on the next movie. For what? L- writing. Okay. So the first movie, we have an uncredited writer who upgrades to a writer. The second movie, the same thing happens. Weird. That will then happen in the third. Um, and then also Rika, uh, the, yeah. the woman, she was supposed to survive in the movie. Okay. Originally. Um, I saw that it was, their sex scenes were very uncomfortable for her. Okay, did you have any specifics? Um, that she was completely nude and he got to ha- wear, wear a covering. Oh. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, this one, yeah, and that they're both Catholic. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. I, I, you know, it's like the late 80s, early 90s, these movies. And I do think like sex scenes like come with the territory. Like, that's what was the trend back then. Uh But as far as, like, characters go, it is a little, like, off to me that that Riggs would be super concerned about that. About what? About, about, like, picking up this girl and getting laid. It it just seems a little weird to me compared to... Maybe that's what was missing from the last movie. You know, like, someone's opinion, a producer's opinion. Yeah. Because, yeah, in the last movie, he specifically, like... He's still mourning his wife's death. Yeah, and he gets a sex worker, and they watch the Three Stooges that night and don't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of like, I don't know, this doesn't seem like the guy that's worried about that. And mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like the guy that's going to last for the seventh inning stretch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
hey, hey, it's all in the movie. It's all in the movie. Um, and there was a crazy shot in it that you pointed out. Um, director's cut. That that shot had to be director's cut because yeah. it it was like it was like a, a hair's breadth away from seeing seeing the real action downstairs. I mean, really close. <laughs> it was wild. Yeah, you you know it's wild too when you it, it's like scientific on a scientific level when you rewind to try and pick apart what's happening. Yeah, yeah. You know, everyone it's for everyone's the pod. Done it's for it. the pod. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's kind of what I have on the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Okay. You you spoiled all the 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 best part. Sorry. Um, Patsy Kensett plays Rika Van Den Haas. Um, Say that ten times fast. She is the daughter of Robert Redford and Mia Farrow. Oh, in The Great Gatsby. Oh, okay. I'm like, I was they like, have a daughter. Uh, what? What? Um, okay. I'm really glad that's not the case. I was about to... I was like, where's the book? Where can I read about this? Oh, you would want to read about that? Yikes. <laughs> um, Absolute Beginners is what she's also in. The the Great Gatsby, as I said, as a baby. Um, what is this? Oh, that looks much different. Death in Paradise, which looks like some BBC thing, and a lot of other BBC stuff. Um, wait a second. Hold on. I don't think so. Okay, never mind. And then uh, Joss Ackland plays Arjun Rudd, like the main, the guy in control. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's in The Hunt for Red October. We should watch that sometime. I've never we should. seen it. We should cover that. He's in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. He's De Nomalos. Uh, so, okay. Wait, wait, which journey? Now I'm which curious journey? if I'm pronouncing it bogus. If I'm pronouncing it like they did, or if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Well, I think he I think he's a future guy. He's like the god in the future, I think. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I forgot that death is his main character in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so funny. And it's that guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that series so much. See our series on Keanu where we covered it all. Oh man. We covered it all. Derek O'Connor was like the right hand guy. Okay. Um he's in Deep Rising, Daredevil, um, Daredevil what? the Ben Affleck okay. vehicle. Um Stop. And Brazil. Okay. That actually makes sense because he seemed a little familiar. He did. To me. Um, and I think that about does it. Is you don't want to talk about Joe Pesci? Oh, wait. <laughs> uh, Dean Norris is also in this. Yeah. That was crazy. Hank, Hank, Hank himself. from Breaking Bad. So and cool. And of course, Under the Dome. Yeah, but Breaking Bad. <laughs> Joe Pesci. Yeah. Joe Pesci. According to... Uh, Jersey Boys, the movie, is one of the integral players in Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. <laughs> what a pull! <laughs> um, but he's a uh, he. He's in Goodfellas. He's in Casino. He's in Home Alone. Home Alone Two. It's Joe Pesci, my cousin of, Vinny, my cousin Vinny, and I. He's he's one of the rare actors. He's a national treasure. He's one of the rare actors. You have to say that. He's a national treasure. Thank you. He's one of the rare actors where I find he can go too big, and I have no problems with it ever. Oh, okay. Like, because he does that often. He just goes yeah. too big, and it's like, it's kind of like a Nicolas Cage thing where it's like, all right, cool. I'm on board. You're fully committed to this, and this is a prime example of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. He's so great. I mean, he's just a big part of my childhood. I feel like of our generation. Yeah, so, yeah. It's just, and then, you know, growing up and seeing that he's in all these gangster movies and it's like, yeah. there's, there's more, there's more and he's good. 
I mean, he's perfectly summed up, and I think every role is a version of him just playing that scene from Goodfellas where he's like, oh, you think I'm funny, huh? You think I'm a funny guy? What is that supposed to mean? Like, that is... Every performance I've ever seen him do is that to some degree. Mm -hmm. Um, Irishman, weirdly enough, his most reserved performance I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did he get an Oscar nom for that? I don't know. Because that was a crazy performance. Um, Who did he play with that? Like, who was he with? Which one? De Niro or Pacin? Oh, I think he was De Niro. Okay. I think. I just, I don't remember a lot about that movie, actually. Yeah, I don't either. I think, and here's what I think, next time I have a little extra cash, we should get the Criterion collection of that because Netflix sucks. And I was thinking, like, some of these movies that Netflix made that are great, we should buy them physically. Mm. Because if they ever decide, like, you know, not enough people people are buying, like, you know, toilet paper or something, you know, advertising, I don't know, however they do their stuff. However, they make their money. They're like people aren't doing enough of this, so we need to we need to take this movie off. You know, I could see them doing that. Toilet paper effect. I was kind of getting confused with Amazon. You know, like hey, we're not getting enough toilet paper sales. You know, it's like stick to toilet paper. Don't make movies and TV. I think we should just keep going. Anyway, I'm mad at streaming. I'm done with yeah. streaming. I'm I'm ready for it to be over. Um, and I mean the bubble has burst. So, uh, should we jump into the plot? Yeah. Um. So I I think that this movie actually is one of the rare movies that is a that is a sequel and immediately announces how you should expect this movie to go mm-hmm. immediately within one second mm-hmm. because it says Warner Brothers and it goes and it doesn't finish it but it starts the Looney Tunes song and and the, it's not like it's connected to the Looney Tunes in any way beyond. It's Warner Brothers. Yeah. But this movie really does kind of ju- jump the shark in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, in ways that I enjoy thoroughly. Same. So it's not like now it dips in quality. Now it's like, okay, we're just crazier now. Yeah. Crazy. It's like John and, Wick, and John Wick 2. There's opening it with a car chase. Yeah. Great and opener. I, I do think as this is going, I'm like, this is actually like an excellently, excellently choreographed car chase. There's a lot of extras running around. A lot of extras. And a lot of cars. A lot of great stunts. Yeah. A helicopter flying down to pick up the bad guys. That is just so comical to me. I love it. Yeah. And and so that's happening right away. And you're already getting like Riggs and Murtaugh. Murtaugh like ruins his wife's new car. Yeah. In the process. Funny. Yeah. Um. It's just so, I, I'm like, now I really want to rewatch Shane Black movies because, like, I just associate all this humor with, like, his type of humor. And then reading about both movies needing to be punched up because they weren't humorous, I'm like, so what is the, what is the Shane Black? Because it feels like mm-hmm. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is also this type of humor mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Well, maybe a little more clever than, like, the improvisation yeah, yeah, yeah. in this movie. But something like having to drive around a, a car that is your wife's and it's progressively getting beaten up and she just bought it. That seems like a Shane black joke to me. Yeah. And it's like, he probably didn't write that. No. So that's, I'm like so confused now about that whole yeah, thing. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, red car, re- red car, good banter. That's, <laughs> that's my note that on that. That doesn't help. <laughs> um, but they're yeah. chasing some uh, blonde guy. They're chasing a red car. Yeah, and, and we're a lot like, of good they can't figure them. out if they're German, but they know or, or what. But they're not American. Yeah, um, and they get away. Right. 
Um, and then I think more or less like next day when they're on the office, the, their, their office command, who, I don't know, Lieutenant, Lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant, please. Lieutenant (laughs) is saying that they're, they caused too, they, they caused too much damage in the city and that's too much taxpayer money. Yeah. You guys are too expensive. Classic superhero situation. Yeah. If you're asking me. Well, classic, uh, police situation. No, just a superhero. No, wh- wh- when does that happen in superhero movies? Am I, am actually, I, like, they did address that something? in one of them. Yeah. I'm just making a joke, though. Oh, you are? Okay. Am I allowed? N- I, I was just confused. Because hmm. this is a, the classic, uh, you know, the sergeant getting mad. Um, sergeant. That's what it is. That's what oh, it is. is. It? Yeah, okay. yeah. Or the chief. Could be the police chief. Never mind. But they say they're sergeants when they're talking to Pesci. Ah, he's the police chief. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get rankings. No. But uh, everyone in Britain is a lieutenant. I know that. Yeah. I learned that from the terror. I recently learned that. Yeah, civilians. Yeah. Everyone's a lieutenant there. Oh. Her Majesty the Queen, lieutenant. Yeah. Supreme lieutenant, though. Supreme lieutenant. lieutenant. Supreme Chancellor, lieutenant, queen. (laughs) Um, So, they're, now they're at the station, and then the, you know, classic uh, gun gun in the drawer situation where they're like, hey, Riggs, try and break out of this, um, this straight jacket. And uh, everyone's taking bets. Uh, yeah. we, they, they establish, I think, very well that this is like a core group of yeah. people that work together. They're all detectives or something. Uh-huh. I don't, and I don't know if they're all working on the same case or what, but like they're, they're, a, they're a family. Yeah. And I love that. They're and having then fun. It's just hilarious to me that they kill all of them <laughs> later in the movie. I know, I know, I know. Hilarious. <laughs> and I know I'm jumping around, but yeah, yeah, we can do that. This is why I said we were watching it. It feels like that. That is so ridiculous. That uh, they ki- and, and the way that they do it, <laughs> that they kill everybody that I'm surprised that comedians don't reference it more. Yes. This seems like a touchstone. Yeah. Like yada, yada, yada. It's like in lethal weapon two, when they killed the, the entire squad. Killed. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and, and it's, so this movie, it, it really dances a fine, a fine dance. And I, you know, I love this movie. It's, it's a, it's a core movie to my, my adolescence and I love it. But I, I, it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, it's one of many movies where I feel like if you're not on board with how insane it is, you're not like, you yeah. just won't enjoy this movie. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I will say, I think to have this argument now, I guess, I do I do think and this is the first time I've thought this having watched them both back to back I think the story in the first movie is better. Uh and I I do think that that movie is is like you know put on your glasses better but I'm always going to choose to watch Lethal Weapon 2 over Lethal Weapon 1. I think this story is better in this one. I think the story's better. I think this movie is shot better and I think that the acting is better. Uh-huh. All all across the board this movie is better. Yeah. That's that's my yeah. opinion. I, th- I I didn't notice a, a change in the shooting style like at all. It it just felt more cohesive yeah. to me. The, and, and it just felt like the blocking was better. Like, especially in the, um, when they're at Murtaugh's kitchen, the three of them, Riggs, Murtaugh, and Pesci, and they're all like around the counter, like talking. Yeah. And they're all in frame. It just. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's more of a harmony. I, I feel like visually. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. No. And no, now that you mention it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just feel story-wise, especially like the case that they're, that they're, um, I guess the comedy in this movie comes before the case. Absolutely. 
And I'm okay with it. Like like I said, I would rather rewatch this movie, but I do think that the previous movie has has a much more in, I mean, we talked about it last episode, but I think the case is more interesting and has more like, oh, what is going on? Whereas this one's like it's the Africans and they just have to figure it out. And I South Africa. And I said probably verbatim in the last one that the story makes no it, not that it makes no sense it just feels slapped together Therefore, right and I, I feel I, like this one feels slapped together but yeah i mean i'm not saying this one's like amazing or anything yeah. or bulletproof but yeah uh, i do think it's better it's just it's also it's strange though i've never it's probably the only movie only american movie where south africans are bad guys i could be wrong but you don't see that anymore i don't know if, but this also is a yeah. very uh very sensitive moment in history because apartheid 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 um is going to happen within the next few years the ending of it is going to happen the ending of it (laughs) it's been going on for a while yeah Yeah. the ending of it is going to happen within the next few years i was not alive during this time yeah so i i just i don't know what it was like exactly but it was it seems like a very interesting specific moment and an interesting backdrop for this movie i guess and making fun of racist is always a check for me. Yeah. I, I love that. So yeah. when he's standing there and he's like, oh, the Aryan race just showed up. I'm like, yeah. And mm-hmm. he, yeah. I, I, anytime you can make fun of them, I'm good. I'm good with that. Yeah. So, and we, it, it, it makes it, for one of my favorite jokes in cinema history, <laughs> which we'll get to later. It should be noted that also in this movie, Mel Gibson has an Australian accent. And Mike and I are starting to question if he's never had an American accent in any role he's been been in. Yeah, I think we just grew up with him not even knowing he, you know, not understanding that element of life. Yeah. And and we grew up, I just always thought he was an American. Same. So. But now I want to watch like The Ransom. Yeah, and, that movie's kind of boring, but yeah. Oh, I, yeah. But you know, I did like, like such a like serious straight yeah. shooter movie. Well, we should watch, is it Beaver? The one he did with uh, no, Jodie Foster. <laughs> Jodie Foster's in that movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, we don't need to watch that, but yeah, I, uh, yeah. It's always funny because that was one of those, um, they, they, they do this thing called like the, the best unmade scripts or something like that. They call it the blacklist. Okay. Um, every year and, um, you know, Who's so they, the, like, what is this? So like the writer's association or oh, something okay. where they pick like, oh, these are like the best scripts that have not been made. Oh, interesting. Um, and it's, I think they keep them updated. And, yeah. And so that was one, the beaver, the, the beaver was one that they were like, what, this is such an amazing script. And then it, it, it just happened. I feel like this happens often with a lot of the scripts. It's like they do wind up making some of them and like one out of five or two out of five are like really bad. And it's like, yeah, it works as a script and it doesn't work as a movie. Oh. Like it just doesn't work. Oh, is, isn't that just like yeah. so funny? What's that movie that came out like last year or two years ago with Mel and Mark Wahlberg that like, right? Oh, are you talking like about Daddy's pri- Home too? No, they're like a priest or something. One of them's a priest. Oh, Father Stew. <laughs> and they came out with the Christian one too. What? Do you not know about this? What? So they, uh, I can't remember actually Wait, the order. Wait, you're kidding me. Because <laughs> so, this movie came out and like, <laughs> I think my parents, including other uh, people of that political persuasion were like, have you seen Father Stew yet? It's really good. Yeah. It has Mark Wahlberg <laughs> and Mel Gibson, yeah. two famous Catholics. Yeah. It's a good movie. Well, so I, I can't remember which order, but I believe what they did is they came out with the like rated R version. Cause it, it is like a mature movie. Yeah. There's like a lot of cussing in yeah. it and stuff like that. And I, and, and I, on one respect, I'm like, here we go. Finally, if you're going to make something that's quote Christian, like 
let's face some real life, yeah. you know? And then I think that Christmas they came out with like the PG-13 version in theaters so that like, you could take your family to go see it. No, they didn't. Or they did, yeah. What, did they just bleep? I think they just edited the movie so that it didn't have it. Have cussing. <laughs> I didn't know about that. That's wild. I know. The the Christian... Uh, I guess I hope they made some money. Yeah, they made some money. It's just it's just funny. It's just fun. as as a Christian myself, I'm still. Is it a still... story about one of them being like some person from a hard life? Yeah, yeah. So why can't we just let that character be from a hard life? Like, why yeah. do we have to edit them? Well, I it, it it's just it's funny. You know, I listen to the Bo Boys, and they always they always break down the Christian releases, and the Christians come up with, and they say they always say it lovingly. They're like, "We love a good scam," but the, these Christian <laughs> companies really come up with a lot of good scams <laughs> to get people to buy tickets. Yeah. And you know, on the I mean, one hand, it it's like money, it makes money. You know, it's it's business on the one hand, but also it's it it can't it can get into a manipulation zone. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, well, if you're gonna throw the chosen on big screens and people come out, that's fine with me. That's cool. Yeah. I wish more shows did that. Actually. Yeah. I wish I could Make go an see event. Stranger Things, the finale in theaters. Yeah. But it's Netflix and they suck. Mm-hmm. You know. So, I more power to them in that regard. But there's some other scams that they've done that are kind of funny so hmm. uh we won't talk about all of them on mic because i don't want to get in trouble no. but uh that's not what we're here to talk about no 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 we're here to talk we're about here to talk father stew mel having an australian accent in that's everything right. now potentially probably i don't think in the one scene i saw him in in the continental before i turned off the show um i don't think he had a uh australian accent and he probably probably doesn't in braveheart he probably but has he probably a does. Accent. You know what I mean? But like, he also can just kind of just do yeah. what he wants, right? Because it's uh, European. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I know. Uh, call in, or uh, press one for yes and no for why, and tell us what you think. Um, so now we're back in Lethal Weapon Two, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like trying to reset here. So then, um. We have this, they're building like the hobby room at the Murtaugh house and there's the nail gun there and they both draw their guns on this guy because he's shooting a nail gun. But that night, his daughter's commercial that she starred in <laughs> is premiering on TV. This is hilarious. I'm, I all, love this. I love this joke. around the TV waiting for it to come on and it is for condoms. Yeah. And it, so funny. Yeah. And he told, they told every, he told everyone at work to watch it. Yeah, so later in the movie, they make a tree that is decorated with, like, bl- like condoms blown up. Yeah. Like, as balloons. Yeah. And I think that this joke maybe went over my head for a while. Like, I think I... Kn- oh, if, for, if I was a kid, yeah, it would have gone over my head. Well, I mean, I was... I wasn't a kid, kid. Like, I pr- maybe should have probably yeah, known, Yeah, but you're naive but little Micah. I am sweet, naive little Micah. Shout out to the Eden Boys for giving me that name. Um, and then I wrote South Africans Breakout. Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wrote South Africans well, okay, breakout. So Murtaugh and Riggs are causing too much mayhem in the city. So yeah. their chief is like, "Your guys, you guys are gonna be posted up with Leo." Leo gets, of course. Leo gets because he gets things done. Is that what he says? Leo gets whatever yeah. you need. Um, That's what he's someone is, yeah. who will, he was like a star witness in this big high profile case about money money laundering. Blah blah blah. Yeah. So they're just gonna watch him for a couple days, make sure that he's protected. And doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, easy assignment. Um, but of course, throughout it, they get wrapped up even further <laughs> into their investigation. Um, they get uh, 
Pesci and Riggs and this other guy get thrown out a window, yeah. fall like seven stories into a pool. And one great thing this movie does, that again, I think most movies do, is they really emphasize how short Joe Pesci is. Uh-huh. And they kind of push him around in ways that are <laughs> they, quite they funny. They straight up abuse him. Yeah. Yeah. Abuse of the witness. Something that I don't I think... I mean, Briggs is punching him in the pool. That you're thinking it's, it's the, the other guy. guy. Uh, this movie's pretty funny. Um, something that I have n- never picked up on in these movies, and and this feels so this feels so stupid to me. Like it feels very um, like when they try to set up dumb like names in superhero movies and stuff like that. Um, or yeah, anyway, like prequely kind of things is how it feels. Is that a lot of Mel Gibson uh, Riggs's fighting style is inspired by the Three Stooges because he watches it a lot. And this is supremely stupid. It's so dumb. And and <laughs> later on in the movie, when he's picking up the Rika girl uh-huh. in the grocery store, and th- this is an 80s movie. Tell me it's an 80s movie without telling me it's an 80s movie. Uh, he's trying to pick up this girl in a grocery store, and she's telling him no profusely. Uh-huh. And he will not take no for an answer yeah. and l- makes her leave with him. But while he's doing that, he goes, boop. <laughs> like he's going to poke her eyes, like Three Stooges style. Yeah. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> so crazy. Well, because I think in the first movie, doing it, and I think he does it too much in the first movie as well, I'm pretty sure. But yes. doing it the one time at the Christmas tree lot, I think it's funny. Yeah. They're like a bunch of dopes, and he's pulling one over on them. Do it the once. And then you see him watching Three Stooges, and you're like, okay, that's kind of funny. But the fact that, like, some of his fighting, it's like he he is like, it's not, it's not like I, you know, I use a fighting style of Crouching Tiger or like, or like, you know, well, Jet Li wing, gets in here later. And, yeah. <laughs> wing Chun or something like that. He's like, no, I am three stooges. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's I am a, Curly. It's I am a, Mo. It's I am Larry. Choice. I love three stooges as much as the next guy, but interesting choice. Pretty <laughs> funny know. in this movie when he's watching the stooges with his dog and he's just laughing like a child. Very loudly. Too much. Well, it's like that scene. Remember in a Ghost Rider when, when he turns on the TV <laughs> and yeah. within a second he's like, oh, because there's a monkey that's like eating a banana it's it's crazy (laughs) this is a simple episode okay let's pull back the the curtain let's pull back the curtain just take a bite (laughs) here's what happened folks as you as you may or may not know we have a child and she only slept for a half hour so we weren't able to record a whole lot usually these take us two sittings now with the baby and so we stopped the recording. You're using precious time to explain this. Yeah, and then we we pulled it up just now. It's a whole other day, and we're recording. We're we're continuing our record. That's but all I, you need to no, say. No, no, no. But I just wanted to say we pulled it up, and I just I usually go back like a few seconds just to be like, oh yeah, that's what we were talking about. And I even marked in my notes where we're at in the movie. But the movie, the movie, and uh, Wooder. Um, <laughs> But all of a sudden, I go back, and I'm talking about bananas and a monkey, and I look at Jordan, and I'm like, what in the world were we talking about? She remembered we were talking about Ghost Rider. I did not. That's how podcasting works these days. It's crazy. So they've met Joe Pesci. They've done the... They find out he's, like, laundering money for the South Africans. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, But he's going to stand on trial. He's going to witness, witness for the prosecution. Yeah, um, great movie. But they're continuing to investigate what's happening. Yeah, what's happening? I guess this investigation. We, and we mentioned the pool, right? 
Yes. Okay. And this essentially leads them to this cool looking house in the Hollywood Hills. Perfect. Yes. Um, yeah. And they're, they go in. So, so. And they see them counting there, money. There's kind stuff. of this funny thing that I couldn't quite figure out, but Leo's like, yeah, I once met at this house. And he's like, I know that the numbers add up to 28 because that's my lucky number or whatever. Oh, yeah. And he's just doing classic Joe Pesci yeah. funny stuff. And then they're driving around just looking for this address. The The police chief has told them, don't look for this. Okay? Yeah, you're going to spill your tea. Oh, thank you. Um, and uh, so they, they're they're just driving around. And then finally, they they get it on like the seventh address. No, the ninth. The ninth. The okay. ninth house. Funny. Um, they get to the ninth house. Which I feel that sounds like a book title. It is a book. It is. I've read okay. it. Lee Bardugo. Is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. Right? Is that the book? Yeah, the ninth house. I have to make sure, but you can keep talking. Okay. And then they get there and then they're like, oh, let's just kind of look around. And they look around and lo and behold, they are they have a, a pretty wild um name for their money, which I can't remember. The Kroner? The Kroner? Yeah. Isn't that Dutch? Or is that South African? Well, I remember the Dutch went to South Africa, so... I know that, because I told you that. Yeah, but they even said it in the movie. So, like, yeah, they used the Dutch Basically, kroner. Basically, I think they recognized the guys that they were... That we started this movie off with, with the, the car chase. So they're like, those are the guys we were going after. So they barge in. Yeah. And they're trying to take care of business. Yeah. Um, And they also recognize the guy from the hotel that they fell in the pool with. Uh -huh. So that guy runs away, and they're chasing after him, more or less. Yeah. Um, so then it's a pretty, so then we have another car chase. I'm just chase. laughing at what's going to happen. I know. It was really good. It was great. It was a great. Yeah. The car chase is cool. And, and sorry, and Shane Black, but the stunts are kind of wild. The stunts are kind of wild. At one point, Mel Gibson's character, uh, Riggs is on the front of, on the grill of the car yeah. as it's still driving. Um, and he's about to get smashed by another car, but slams on the brakes. His surfboard flies off that car and like decapitates the guy. <laughs> It's pretty hilarious. It is hilarious. And you know what? Uh, this will maybe blow your mind, Jordan. But as I was just trying to put Talia down to sleep, I thought, you know what? Lethal Weapon 2 You're is... You're spill your tea again. I was thinking, <laughs> you know what? Lethal Weapon 2 is better than Lethal Weapon 1. Okay. I had to say it. It took, uh, it took a pause in recording to get you to yeah. admit that. And and it's almost like the the potential... I don't know. It's like it's like I want to be on the Shane Black writer side, yeah. you know, and and I, th I still kind of think on like a heady level, maybe Lethal Weapon One is better. But if you're gonna rewatch one more, maybe that's the better one. You know what I mean? It is. So I don't want to say there's no uh, argument against. There's no contest, but it is my opinion. But and I think no I think my sister and my dad, who I'm sure are so excited that we're covering Lethal Weapon, we haven't told them, although I'm sure my dad suspects since we borrowed the movies from him. Um, I'm sure they're going to be listening right now and be like, ah, okay, good. For what? That I said Lethal Weapon Two is better. Oh, okay. Um. So then they they get back to the house and they've like arrested everybody, but then we find out about they do. That's what happens. Diplomatic happens after? immunity. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's when he says, um, I don't remember he your name. I'll a, just call you Adolf. Yeah, but then he also calls him, I think, a dickhead like twice in this scene. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. made us laugh pretty hard. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any accent and dickhead, you can get away with it, you know? No. Well, Mel says it. 
I know. Oh, well, I guess accented. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's kind of Australian when he says it. Because, um, you know, my sister, one of her teachers in high school, who uh, who wasn't there when we got there, um, he always said, or no, no, he was. He was the principal, Mr. Perry. Who was not Australian. No, 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 no. Did no. he call people dickheads? <laughs> <laughs> no, and maybe it wasn't him. Some, he wasn't there. Uh, I think my sister had him, and then by the, like, the next year, he was gone. But he was a principal when we yeah. were there. No. But, yeah, he was. Maybe, I, maybe for one year. He, I got in trouble by him. He was the principal <laughs> okay. of our hey, freshman do? year. I don't want to talk about it on mic. What? <laughs> you have to tell me. Just cut this out. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you right now. I can tell you later. Have I never known this? I've told you, yeah. I got in trouble. That's all. But I, I got let off on a warning, so it's fine. What did you do? Just, <laughs> we're not going to talk about it on the VOD. But what happened was, um, I, I guess he, he told his class... That when you say shut up, maybe it wasn't him, it was someone. When you say shut up, uh, if you say it in an English accent, you can't get in trouble because then it sounds more polite. Shut so, up. Yeah, so dickhead's kind of like that. If you say it in an American accent, it sounds terrible. But if you go, you dickhead, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Do you want me to close the door? Yeah, please. Um. So, yes, this is when they find out and me as a young child find out about something called diplomatic immunity, um, which... I don't know how, I, I don't know much about beyond They kind of made up some of this stuff, right? Because they're like pretty, they are committing a crime. But I think there is, I mean, there definitely is diplomatic immunity. I understand immunity. there being loopholes, but like, they're like drug running? Well, because- That's pe just illegal. People have gotten a lot, I mean, diplomats have uh, done a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. And, and gotten away with it. Let's see. On Wikipedia, diplomatic immunity is a principle of international law by which certain foreign government officials are recognized as having legal immunity from the jurisdiction of another country. Um, let's just see if there's... That's so broad. I mean, I know this is just Wikipedia, but... Uses and abuses. Um, On-duty officer Yvonne Fletcher was murdered in London in 1984 by a person shooting from inside the Libyan embassy during a protest. The incident, the incident caused a breakdown in diplomat relations until Libya admitted general responsibility in 1999. So that person, I'm assuming, never got arrested for it because of that? Yeah, they didn't... The, the country didn't assume a, uh, assume a general responsibility until 1999, 15 years later. That's strange. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, yeah there's, there's other stuff that we don't want to talk about that's not good, where you can imagine where people yeah. with power go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're... And what was that thing you did in high school that you got in trouble for? I'm not going to talk about it on mic. Diplomatic immunity. I I have podcastalic immunity. Hmm. Um, so you're going to spill your tea all over yourself. You're <laughs> playing fast and loose with that tea. Uh, so then we get to this section, and you know, uh, Jordan and I, uh, sweet naive little Jordan and I, uh, we're apparently you're not so sweet and naive. The, we get to the, the F you in the drive through scene. And I'm just saying F you. Too bad the Eden boys aren't on this episode because they could really pull the weight on that. Um, <laughs> We've used up our quota. We said dickhead too many times. Yeah. Then that was the last time that mm -hmm. we're going to say dickhead. Um, and and this, this is just like so indicative of... It just feels so 90s, even though this movie is 89. 89. It just feels so 90s to complain about the drive through mm -hmm. like it is like you're on stage yeah. at like Madison Square Garden or something yeah. to a crowd of people. Um, 
or maybe just a, a little comedy club. Maybe that's a better wow, yeah, example. Big rumor. But yeah, Joe Joe Pesci is is just doing the F, the F you in the drive through. They always they always <laughs> careful. <laughs> Drink some of the tea already. He, he's, yeah, he's yeah, let me you talk, talk about Drink it. Some of this darn tea. tea. <laughs> yeah, he says <laughs> that they just F you through the drive through because by the time you notice that they've made made a mistake, you're already a mile down the road. Yada yada yada. He says it better than I did. Keep talking. I'm trying well, to write something down. I, I mean, that's that's the joke. It's really funny. Isn't there another F.U. thing in the next movie? I have seen the third one then. Well, I think he the, does another thing. I think he does another thing. But in the fourth one, Chris Rock's like, man, they really F you with cell phones. Maybe I have seen all of these movies. Which seems like a bridge too far, if you ask me. Yeah. If it like that these characters in this real life world would would like have these bits like this, you know, nobody has bits like this. Hmm. Wink, wink. Me, I'm a bit boy. Um, so, am I? Lo- is it looking better? Oh so my far. gosh! I have to tell you, I just got a notification from Apple, and it told me that Hannibal Rising is now available on VIX. First of all, I don't know what VIX is, and second of all, why is Apple telling me about Hannibal Rising? Because you've talked about it a lot. One of the worst you've about movies Hannibal I've ever lot, seen. And then that movie you've talked about for I don't know, maybe an hour and a half. So Apple's like, you're the only person who clearly is in love with this movie. <laughs> That's kind of weird, though, because I also saw someone recently rewatch it on Letterboxd. Because it's on VIX? I guess. What is VIX? I don't know. Video Vapor in, rope? <laughs> video inside xylophones? Anyway, so the you in the drive-thru. Then we get to the real catalyst of this movie, the real meat of this movie. What other movie franchise is going to put your hero on a toilet strapped to a bomb on the toilet? I said it wrong. Not many movies. <laughs> Jordan, I'm li- you got to carry this episode. I'm Murtaugh losing it. is on the toilet. He's been on the toilet since last night. Numb legs. Numb legs. Um, and there is a bomb strapped to it. If he gets off, boom town. Yeah. Um, so they get the bomb squad in there to uh, figure out the situation. Um, they just put some CO2 around it. And then they're like, jump fast. Yeah. That's kind of all they can do, I guess. There's Even no... though they've taken out the cabinet and they should have a pretty good angle to like start like removing it. They didn't really talk about what type of bomb it was. So I yeah. guess I guess that's got to be it. And Briggs is like, well, I have to help him. His legs are numb. So I have to pull him off the toilet. The guy's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Take my vest. Risk your life. Yeah. Jump into that bathtub. It's a good cast iron tub. It'll hold you. So pretty funny. I thought it was cute that right before they jump, Murtaugh's like, you know. Like he was, you know, he was saying, I love you. Yeah. Yeah. Very that's sweet. very good character stuff. I yeah. like that. Um, and then there is a big explosion and the toilet is blown off whole. Yeah. Not in pieces. <laughs> so I think he would just would have flying, flown out. I think okay. So been fine. no, the first movie is better, but the second no, one, it's not. the second one is more bombastic. That's it's fun. They lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's, that's why I it like just, it. it. It's funny because I, and I don't remember if I said this yesterday or not listener, dear listener, but, uh, I, it, it's just funny how quickly they cross the line of self-parody. They yeah. go from one movie to this movie really, truly feels like we're in self-parody yeah. zones. Um, but I, but it's very fun. So yeah, they they have the toilet thing. Um, it makes me also wonder: is there a big explosion like this in every movie? Hmm. There, well, there's several explosions in this movie. Yeah, but but you know. Like in the first one, you know the the that one lady's house blew up. They they, they uh, spoof that in Family Guy. 
in the, the first movie one. Okay. And Peter, or no, no, Brian and Stu are jumping away from it, and it shows different angles, and it it repeats the explosion. I think maybe twenty times. Is it? And they like just keep the jumping. Fun- Anytime I feel like you tell, besides that Stephen King one, which was funny that you. Oh yeah, yeah, but. It feels like all of the jokes that you tell me, like the joke that they do is they just do that 15 times. (laughs) (laughs) It could be. Those are the ones that stuck with me, I guess. (laughs) They also have this great bit that they started. I I don't watch the show anymore, but I I think I watched like 13 seasons. So I've I've seen a fair amount of Family Guy. But uh, they, they had this great bit where like they would be in the middle of an episode and then they'd go, ladies and gentlemen, Conway Tweedy. And it, and the camera pans to the side, and it's a real-life performance of this old country star f- from, like, the 60s. And they would play the entire video of him performing. That's funny. And sometimes I think that would be, like, the, that they would play till the end of the episode, and that was that was the episode. Like, unresolved. Okay. And they just look at the camera, ladies and gentlemen, Conway, Conway Twitty. Okay. And they, they did, they've done that a lot of times. It's very funny. Wow. Um. Yeah, anyway, it, the show has has its moments for sure. Yeah. And that's how I I'm learned sure. that Laura Bush killed a guy because they repeated that in the show many... Car epi- crash? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, they look at the camera and they make sure you know that Laura B- Bush killed a guy. Anyway, so that's how I learned about that. Okay. <laughs> it's weird how we learn about I things know. sometimes in life. <laughs> so can we get to when they just kill everyone off their squad? No. Because we have to get to the best scene in the movie, the best scene in the franchise. And that is Murtaugh goes down to the South African embassy. And yeah. this is where my personal story comes in. Yeah. And he comes in, and this this amongst my sister and I was something we would co- quote around the house all the time. Yeah. And my dad as well. And uh, he gets there, and of course there's apartheid, and Joe Pesci comes in, and he's like, hey, my friend wants to immigrate to South Africa. And the guy's like, great. It's a great place to live. I can help you out with that. And then in walks Murtaugh, and the guy is totally shocked. And he goes, uh, you, no, you should listen to your friend. You shouldn't You shouldn't do this. And the guy's like, why? I want to go there. It's where my ancestors are from. I, I want to go help. there. Oh, he wants to protest. He wants to help end apartheid. And then he goes, but, but you're black. And then uh, he look, Pesci looks at him and he's like, you are black. <laughs> you are. He is. <laughs> or he says he is. And then he says, you are. Yeah. Um, and then. The, so that right there is like hilarious. That's a great, great joke. But then he starts saying like. Uh, uh, Murtaugh starts saying to him, hey, like you're the fascist white regime. And then Joe Pesci is kind of loosely repeating it. And he's like, yeah, the fascist white regime. <laughs> and he keeps on repeating stuff. Uh-huh. And then and then he says, my favorite delivery, he goes, free South Africa, you dumb son of a bitch. And then Joe Pesci says, you dumb son of a bitch. And it is the funniest, it's just the funniest thing for us macaws that, that just like tickles our heart and soul. And it's so funny. And it's a great scene. Would you agree it's a great scene? It was the personal story. But well, well do you oh, like Oh, it's a it? great scene. Yeah. It's funny. So, and we were younger. Does this have anything to do with you being in trouble? <laughs> no, stop asking. <laughs> so, um, we, we, my sister and I were home alone and we were like, <gasps> <A Joe Bishop. laughs> I, I teed you up for that. Uh, we were like, you know, on Facebook or something like hanging out at the computer 
And we just start quoting this thing back and forth, back and forth. On Facebook to each other? No, no, no. We're talk- We're in the same room. Oh, okay. Like like just on the computer okay. together, like okay. watching YouTube or doing something. And and we're just quoting it back and forth and just like laughing and laughing. And and mind you, good little Christian kids, younger, and we're talking about this and we are going, son of a bitch. We're saying bitch. Mm-hmm. And, and we're just like quoting it and we're like, mom and dad are at home. We can say it and just quote this hilarious line in this movie. And then my sister pulls out her phone and we're, we're hearing this like, hello, hello. <laughs> and it's my grandma Blanche, my, <laughs> my dad's mom. And she, and the phone call was like 20 minutes long and she'd just been sitting there listening to us. <laughs> did your sister butt dial her? She did. What? Yeah. Or she called and answered, and then my grandma just sat there and listened. Well, why wouldn't she? It's a, she's getting a show. And, and That's so, pretty hilarious. And, and we were so nervous because we had been saying bitch so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened? Uh, nothing. She was just like, hey. And, we're, and we were kind of like, oh, did, did you hear what we were talking about? Uh, was she you just know? nice? And she was like, no, I didn't hear you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a little anticlimactic. Like, you know, not... There wasn't a time later that day or the last week where your parents sat you guys down and was no. like, Grandma Blanche called. No. No. That's that's so weird. Isn't that funny, though? <laughs> that is funny. Um, so, yeah, that's my second of four personal like, lethal weapons. Have stories. you ever texted someone? A, like, you're, you're texting your friend about someone else. Oh. And you accidentally text the person that I'm you're talking sure about. I'm sure I have. I don't. I've done that before. Oh, what happened? Um, Someone said that they liked this person and this person liked him back. And I was like, there, no, 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 there's no way. This person's a little exaggerating, like uh-huh. known to exaggerate. So it's like this, this person doesn't like you. And I, I think I was probably meant to text Sydney or oh, someone. I'm, and was I'm like, remembering this. So like, did you hear about that? Like this person thinks that this person likes them. Like probably like there's no way. <laughs> And I texted that other person. The person who said that all to you. No, no. The person, the person. The, uh, the likey. The likey. No. Person one says person two likes me. I meant to text person three about that, but I accidentally texted person two. Oh. And then person two texted me back and was like, no, I don't. So I got my answer. Yeah. Yeah. But. I felt so bad. Who was, can you just tell me who person two was? Davis. Ah, okay. All right. Davis, if you're listening, uh, if you want to go on a second date, we'll pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) That was a comedy bang, bang joke. I said, uh, so all of that. And then, uh, Riggs kind of randomly just hooks up with the South African girl. It's kind of like, we need romance in the movie and we need a sex scene. It's an eighties movie. Kind of a graphic. We one. need to cut to it a lot. Yeah. Um, and then they start killing off the police. And I, I, Jordan, I cede the floor to you, please. Well, it's just because, like I said earlier, they really established this core group of people. I feel like they all had great chemistry. They're all having a fun time. Probably had a fun time on set. It felt like. Yeah, yeah. And then they all start getting killed, and it's like, oh, well, that's why they're here. It's yeah. just to get killed. Um. And the funniest one that we had to rewind to watch was the the lady <laughs> cop is going to go for like a morning dip 
gets on. <laughs> she <laughs> she takes off her robe, gets on the um, diving board. diving board, and jumps off. And there's a giant explosion behind her, and the step person <laughs> looks like a mannequin. It probably is. Do you think it? I didn't even think. I didn't even think about yeah, it. But yeah, so I, it, I didn't either. There's just a, a stiff body that's flipping, flipping in, the in the air in a diving position, and like not even part of the explosion. Yeah, not to say that that wouldn't <laughs> kill all, somebody, but do you know just, what I mean? Yeah, it's just so funny because it's like, it's just such a creative way to kill somebody. Yeah, it looked so stupid. <laughs> so bad. And I needed a rewind on that one. Yeah. And then we cut to like all these guys playing poker and one of them opens the fridge and we assume it's him opening the fridge that blows up the whole house. We don't know for sure. Yeah. But that would mean that they hadn't but drank like any beer yet. four of them yet. were at poker complaining why the other guys weren't there at poker. <laughs> like I think Riggs and Murtaugh weren't there and saved their lives by not being there. Yeah. Um, but they all died. They got like four and one. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the first person how they died, but I think they got shot or something. Yeah. They got a boring death. And then while uh, Riggs is getting it on, getting ready for that seventh inning stretch. Yeah. Um, helicopter comes in and starts spraying bullets at his mobile home. Um, and him and Rika barely make it out. The yeah. dog makes it out. I like that they made a point to make sure that the dog was okay. Yep, yep, The yep. dog got out with them. Um, and yeah, they, they they get out safely. He takes her back home, and they're joking about what a wonderful first date this is. Yeah. Or, you know, a crazy first date. You can stay with me because you don't have anywhere to <laughs> stay now. Yeah. Okay, I will. I got to go. That's yeah. what they were talking gotta about. Got to go to work. Yeah. And then we have, I, I'll say it. One of the most impressive one shots I've ever seen it, in a movie. Yeah. Very uh, nonchalant. Because it's all character based and it depends on an animal doing something. Yeah. It's very silly. Yeah. Mel walks out of the the Not only walks out, he slides and then he slides. Like a good like ten feet. Yeah, well, optical illusion perhaps, but Okay. But it looked far. Yeah, yeah, he slides and it's like, okay, that's impressive. He walks around his car, opens the door, same shot. These people pop up behind him, hit him on the back of the head. He kind of hit him with a shoe. <laughs> I think it was like a pipe. Okay. Um, and yeah, then the he kind of comically, it, it's like three stooges. This is the way he passes out. That's his fighting style and his passing out style. <laughs> and then his death style determines his lifestyle or whatever it is. My lifestyle determines my death style. Yeah. Metallica, the best album they ever made. St. Anger. And then they start dragging him away and the, the camera pans to them, and then it pans back to the, the back of the car, and the dog pops up behind... Uh, under I saw the whole thing. And then <laughs> yeah. it pops back down a little bit, up and then again, pops back, back up. down. And and I know that it's just a trainer like telling it to go up and down, but it actually looks like the dog's like, uh-oh, what happened? Oh, wait a second. I better hide. Wait, what happened? Okay, I know what to do. <laughs> I know. It was so realistic. Some of the best dog acting yeah. I've ever seen, frankly. Yeah. Lassie, eat your heart out. So that's also one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah. And and impressive. And impressive. It's an impressive shot. Um it's just so funny how like Wait, I think we were saying that that either took way too many takes or it took like two takes. And they yeah, were yeah. so ha- like they they probably were done for the day. I know it was at night, but yeah. you know, done for the day. Judging by the way he fainted, it was probably two takes. <laughs> <laughs> It's just funny because, like, back in the day, they just used to do more in one shot. Uh-huh. And, like, your your change of your your change of composition would be your, quote, change of shot. You know yeah. what I mean? So you'd pan to a different 
spot and it would look different, but it's still the same shot. And so I just think there was a higher chance of things like this happening that are kind of, when you look back, you're like, that's kind of oh incredibly yeah. impressive yeah, yeah, somehow. Yeah. yeah. Um, but man, you know, you know what shot I just keep thinking about? That's one of the most impressive one shots I've ever seen is in Aaron Brockovich. Oh wait, no, that wasn't a no. one shot. We determined that. Well, it, that was very impressive. Yeah. Uh, but it was the opening shot of Maestro. The opening shot. The opening shot of Maestro was like that's when what, I knew How does it open? Well, one second. Let me let me set it up. With him at the interview? Cuz that's the first shot. Uh Oh, oh, I'm sorry. The first shot in the past. Okay. Uh, because th- this shot was when I knew, oh, Bradley Cooper is here to stay as a director. Oh, that shot. Because yeah, that shot was crazy. You have the shot where like a phone rings. It's like basically pitch black. This is like, this is movies. This is why this we go to the movies. theater. And what am I doing? I'm sitting on my ass at home watching this movie. <laughs> you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> but it, it's a shot. And, and, and there's just in like the right corner the right uh, bottom corner, there's just some light and it, it, he's just kind of silhouetted and he takes this phone call uh-huh. and you can only kind of see his silhouette and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then he pulls back these curtains and it like, it completely transforms the shot. And you also see he's in bed with someone and you learn all this stuff about him just by the way not, they yeah, presented not just the someone shot. A man, which is, yeah. Yeah. So like this whole thing, I was like, I literally thought like, Oh, this is, this is an interesting shot. When he pulled back the curtain, I was like, Oh, this is movies, baby. And yeah. then on top of that, when I see that he's with a man, I'm like, I already know about this character. Like, and then he walks out, and then it's a fake oneer after that. But he like walks out into the auditorium, and it like but tracks it's an aerial him the whole shot. way. Awesome. That's a transition. Awesome. Magic movie, guys. If you haven't watched Maestro, go see it in theaters it's now because it's nominated for Best Picture. So now you can see it in theaters. Most yeah. likely where you live. I mean, if we can, that means you can. Because... Yeah, yeah. We're probably going to see it in, in theaters again. Yeah. Because it was such a disappointment to watch it at home. Yeah. And it was such a magic movie. Yeah. Um, It's really good. And I just feel like it's not, it's like not getting its due, even though it's critically well-received. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, you know, you're, you have your finger on the pulse more than I do about that stuff. But like, because it sounds like audience-wise, people are like, uh, whatever. Yeah. And, and it's like, people do not are, sleep on this movie. Yeah, people are kind of calling it like a... Like, I listened to Blank Checks episode, and it seems like people are kind of calling it like a standard biopic. This is not standard at all. I it, That makes me speechless when someone would say something like that. It is it is so creative, and there's, like, artistic license in ways that I haven't seen in any biopics. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll talk it's about that more. Movie. Or we have talked about it on a previous episode mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. So we'll save it for that. Um... But yeah, meanwhile, while all of this is happening, Mur- uh, Murtaugh is like, they saw in, Riggs had gone to the South African consulate. He snuck up there. That's why they did the whole diversion. Yeah. And he found out on a pad of paper, they were looking for this thing. Um, I don't remember what it was it turned called. Turned out to be a boat. Yeah. And, and Riggs is like, or Murtaugh is like, oh, that reminds me of something. And he looks up his birthday video and they're out on his boat. <laughs> And and the Finds whole time, the giant cargo ship. Yeah, and he's just kind of like, "Oh yeah, that was my birthday." Uh-huh. <laughs> just that, again, there's just not a, an <laughs> ounce like, of silence. Why, you don't have to talk through this, yeah. bud. And then he sees it, and it's like, "Oh, it's this cargo ship." Okay. So now we've done all that. We also find out that one of the South Africans killed Mel Gibson's wife. Nope. 
Greek. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, you, you're so I confident. You the other girl. Um, and so they capture him. So now it's even more personal. Yeah. This time it's personal. Actually, yeah. This time it is personal. Yeah. They throw him into the uh, water and if, chained. And, and eagle-eyed listeners will note that at the beginning of the movie, he was in a straight jacket so and So I escaped. think we know how this one's going to end. <laughs> he gets out. He sees Rika is dead, which I don't really understand the timeline on how that one worked, but she's dead. Yeah. And that's just kind of a waste. I think it's so lame. It's like, why was she in the movie? I don't, I don't... She was in the movie to have sex with him. Yeah. That's what that proves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's a waste. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, then, sorry. She was in the movie to give him back his humanity. Is that what you wanted to hear? Are you talking to me? <laughs> the public. <laughs> you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> um, so then they, uh, Riggs and Murtaugh are like, or, or Riggs is like, I'm unhinged. I'm going. I'm not, I'm not a cop tonight. Is yeah. What he says. And Murtaugh's trying to stop him. And I do like how he's like, you can't do this. You can't do this. And then he's like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> You know, it's kind of an opposite you, yeah. of the first movie. Yeah. Um, I'll give you my signal. What's it going to be? You'll know. You could just tell me. <laughs> I, that's a classic movie trope that I'm like, okay, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. I, I don't like that because I, as a viewer, I'm stressed. Also, what was it? It was him dri- connecting the car to his toe. Or I mean, tra- what? <laughs> <laughs> Taking the toe line and strapping it around the house foundation oh. and driving making the house collapse that was his signal okay uh, <laughs> but um I, I think i think what filmmakers if you're listening and i know we have you know i know steven spielberg of course is a huge listener just cut away when they say what's the signal just cut away yeah don't have them respond you'll know it's stupid um so then they do exactly what i just said and they get some of the they kill some of them right i think um, yeah, and then they get to the ship. Yeah, and then a cargo... Ca- oh, no, they get captured in the scene because then they get put in that cargo container. No, they, no, they make don't. it. No, they make you're it right. to the... Your correction you're about to say is right. Cargo area, they disarm some of the dudes, get into the, the container that they need and see that it's full of money and there's a car in there. Um, but more, you know, they're... they're it's a, They found the booty. Yeah. Um, but then someone closes... Well, Mel already found the booty 20 minutes ago in this movie. <laughs> Uh, they close the cargo container on them. Yeah. And there are bad guys like next time they'll see sun is in South Africa or South Africa, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then they shoot the car out of the car, out of the cargo yeah, container yeah. with all the money. Fun. Yeah. Um, and then they're chasing all each other around the ship. Yeah. Um, that, this scene, funny enough, it's like the car part is great. Yeah. And then the fight with Mel is okay. I just but you don't need it. It's just a little t- like I I felt like it was not as cool as a cargo fight as you'd hope. Why is it? Why is it? Maybe we've talked about this before, but like a lot of, sometimes these last action things are just never as exciting as the other ones. Yeah. And why is that? Is that have something to do with like the story? How we're like the rising action, the climax, and. Because because ba- basically in this movie the climax to me was, Mur- uh, Riggs being thrown into the water, girl dead, Murtaugh also fighting for his life in his home because they come to his home. Yeah, that's like the climax, and then the fallout is what they're gonna do about it. Yeah, and then that's all this cargo stuff. But it just feels like it's 
an extra, like an act four. So, okay, what comes to my mind is I think writing-wise, you always kind of want to end on, like, the personal note. Yeah. And so to get personal is, like, you got to get up close in order to do so. And I think that is satisfying to the viewer. But I do think sometimes it's like, well, we saw someone get blown off of a diving board in this movie. I kind of would rather, like, the entire cargo ship explode or something insane yeah. like that. Um I, I, I think it's like, it, you know what, it, here's what I think it is. I'm, I'm kind of thinking through these thoughts right now. It's not nailing the personal element. Okay. That, that makes the, the, the final battle not seem good. Okay. Because I'm thinking of two movies in the same franchise. John Wick 1, the ending of the movie, he has a fight in the rain mm-hmm. with, a, with a bad guy. And by the director's own admission, he's like, you know what, when you, you, we got to a certain point where it's like, you just got to do fists and mm-hmm. you got to do it in the rain. And it's kind of the lamest battle in that movie. But in that same franchise, you have John Wick Chapter 4 that ends with a Western duel that has a fun twist and is very personal and includes, you know, the great Donnie Yen. And I feel like that one just nails more like the personal and emotional aspect that the whole movie has been building to. So yeah. it does feel like that's the climax, even though it's just two people shooting a gun yeah. once yeah. in a movie where we've heard like millions of gunshots. Yeah. And so it, in, in this, it's like, well, you have this opportunity with Mel and the, and the guy to beat it, to, that they have to fight. And, you know, he drops a container on him. That's fun. But there's just a lack of like, I guess maybe we haven't sat with, the distress long enough for that fight to be that cathartic to us. No. And it's like, if that, I, and we don't even know for sure, but like, if that's the guy that killed his wife, maybe there just wasn't enough time to process that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I think that's what I would say is, is one of the main reasons. Yeah. I, I like that. But, but I do think that emotionally it works well, although the fallout of it, I have no idea when the guy comes out and he goes, diplomatic immunity. And then Murtaugh shoots him. Diane Glover just shoots him and he goes, has been revoked. Yeah. That's got a, That's got the catharsis for me. Though I think that means that he's going to be like in living in Guantanamo the rest of his life for shooting a diplomat. <laughs> yeah. But maybe not. Well, I mean, there's another, we, we just got to wait until the next movie, see what happens. <laughs> uh, but Riggs almost is, you know, shot, stabbed, whatever. Yeah. And Murtaugh's like, you can't die until I tell you to die. And Riggs is like, okay, I won't die. Well, he does a great thing, it's cute. too. It's a cute moment. Yeah, where he's like, reach into my pocket. And, you know, he, he's like, you don't die on me, you don't die on me. And he pulls out cigarettes. And then he, and then he's like, has him light a cigarette for him. And he's like, I should really quit these. They're, they'll kill me someday. Yeah, and then and then they start laughing. And then he's like, what, you want to kiss me or something while we're here? Yeah, or he says something funny. like that. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah. You know, that's... That's why these movies work at yeah. the end of the day is their yeah. um, rep- repertoire. Rapport. Rapport. Yeah. No, re- rapport, not repertoire. Um, and that's Lethal Weapon 2. What happens after that? Is that how the movie ends? Yeah, yeah this was one that kind of ends with like oh, the like yeah. crane shot kind of thing. Love a- it. A la Dirty Harry. I love it. Yeah, we love a good crane. The movie was great. It's a good movie. Yeah. They're, they're both good. I love these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so curious... About the next two weeks. I know we got, I'll just say it. We got Dan and Jeremy Eden back for Lethal Weapon 4, and they are excited. They say they have a lot of personal memories with Lethal Weapon 4. (laughs) So as much as that's the least rated movie, I think 
they're probably going to provide their classic charm and probably convince us that it's one of the best ones. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I already plugged Patreon earlier. Yeah. Oh, I will say this. What, uh, when does this come out? Uh, I'm going to double check. Uh, but talk, talk, Jordan, talk quick. Did you quick. say it was maybe March? It or? is. It is a March episode, and okay. I'm scrolling to it now. This episode comes out March 1st. So, as people may or may not have seen, May 17th, I'm going to be doing, I'm doing a gallery show with uh, my good friend, Ren Panter, where we're sharing our art at Central Art Gallery. Um, May 17th is the opening. It's from 5 to 8. I um, would love to see locals there Yeah. Um, for that, working on a lot of new stuff. It's scary. It's fun. <laughs> It'll be great. And then on May 4th, I'm doing Medford Comic-Con with Ren as well. Uh, never done anything like that. So that will also be scary and fun. And then May 11th, probably doing Made in Southern Oregon and Central Point. Cool. Yeah. May lots is a big of, month. Lots of opportunities to see Jordan's art and lots of opportunities to buy To Jordan's buy the art. art. You can buy all of it. Yeah. And, and at the art gallery, there's going to be like big pieces. Uh-huh. That will be... Buco Dolores. I'll be reprinting zines and coloring books and the like. Yeah, so come out to that stuff. And if we don't know you, come up to us and say, I'm an MPUer. And tell us which Shrek movie you think is the best. Um, this Was that everything for you? I think so. Okay, for me, this month, March 23rd, you need to cancel any plans you have, and you need to go to the Eden Ballroom and Grants Pass I don't know what time the show is at this moment. It'll probably be six or seven um, because it is the 10 year anniversary of my very first album till life turns over. I have a six piece band. We will be performing the album in its entirety, but mixed up. And on top of that, Sean Siders is going to be premiering his new project as an opener. It's going to be crazy. There's going to be as what uh, I, I, he's kind of gone back and forth, so I'm not right. going to say okay. it at okay. this moment. Um, and, 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 and this is going to be filmed. This is going to be filmed as a concert film. We are gathering audio. I'm going to make an, uh, a concert album, concert film. This is the real deal, folks. So get there. Get on the film. Yeah. You can then log. You'll be able to log the Till Life Turns Over 10-year anniversary on Letterboxd and IMDb, you know, afterward. Once it's on there and the movie comes out. But... You know, this is going to be crazy, and yeah, and uh, this is this is the the concert of the year. You know, if if you're if you're local, come. If you're not local, I already know of some people that are coming up from California to see the show. So you know, let's get someone from Maine at the show. Let's get let's get one person from each fifty states. Great, <laughs> That's, we can do that. <laughs> All right. See you next week when we talk about Lethal Weapon Three. Yeah. <laughs>